in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul. I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris, and I'm the bucket of fried chicken to your Colonel Sanders, and that the best of the best come straight from Kentucky, Paul. That is so true, Chris, because today we're going to be talking about high strangeness in the great state of Kentucky with author Steve A. Asher being interviewed by Richard Serrett from the January 9th, 2022 interview. All right, dude. Haven't had a Richard Serrett in a while. I, you know, I missed him. He's kind of got that smoky voice, man. I'm always here for him. Yeah. So yeah, very I, excited and definitely excited to be rolling through the hills of that, that blue fescue. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing, man. We're Southern boys, and I think our listeners know that. So uh, when when Kentucky was being talked about, it it really resonated with me. I've been wanting to get to this episode for a while now. But we're going to be talking about a wide variety of topics, Chris, including haunted prisons, frogmen, demon dogs, and angels. What a topic of conversation for this Spooktober, Paul. It's going to be our Public Feeds Spooktober finale, so I thought we would do it right. Nice. Yeah, dude. This is some there's some big topics of conversation. Very excited about the frogmen. That's you know, it reminded me of South Carolina with the lizard people. I think they're probably related, definitely different, but related. There's a whole lot of waterways and river systems in Kentucky. So yeah, a, a whole race of frog people could hide very easily up in the mountains. Very, very true. But before we get to that, Chris, we have to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time. Today's article. Video. Taser-wielding clown roaming city streets prompts warning from Dutch police. You don't want any of those things. You don't want somebody wielding a taser. You don't want them to be wearing a clown mask. And you don't want to be in Denmark. <laughs> I mean, the Denmark part, I don't think I would mind as much. <laughs> I feel like it's nice there. I kid, I kid the Danish. <laughs> For our giant Danish audience. Uh, I, kid, I kid the Danish. Well, from the article, Chris. Police in Netherlands issued a worrisome warning to residents about a taser-wielding clown spotted roaming the streets of a city. You know, that's probably illegal in Denmark. Oh, this is the Netherlands. Sorry. I, I was thinking Danish and Denmark. We're in the Netherlands, which is the Dutch. Would, do you a, think it would I'm be less dummy. legal or more illegal? In I think I think it would just I think it would be just as illegal in yeah. either country. Yeah, there's I don't know. There's weird laws in the states, too. Like, did you know that you aren't allowed to carry, carry around a baton without a, a license in a lot of states? Yeah, those metal batons. Yeah, you can have a gun constitutionally, but you can't carry a baton. I don't understand that. Well, a lot of places do make you get some kind of registration though when you get a gun i'm specifically thinking of tennessee which is constitutional carry but you have to yeah. get a carry license for a gun i mean for a, a baton but not a gun which i think is odd in tennessee in tennessee yeah that's that's actually kind of wild but isn't okay, that weird cool. all right let's keep that's going. true because yeah, i own both items and one needed a permit and one didn't 
<laughs> That's kind of wild, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. According to a local media report, the unsettling case began last week with a series of TikTok videos wherein the haunting Harlequin can be seen frightening people in the community of Amherst Fort. As one might imagine, the presence of the mysterious miscreant in the city caused quite a stir on social media, which prompted Dutch authorities to assure residents that they were aware of the commotion as, quote, we have seen the TikTok videos and received the reports about the creepy clown in their midst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't big and bad like you think you are. We got TikTok, too. We got smartphones. We can see the videos. I also love the fact that cops now have to respond to TikTok videos. That just feels like a perfect summation of where we are as a society. It's great. I mean, this taser-wielding clown is almost certainly some kind of person that is attempting to be a internet celebrity or is an internet celebrity right very likely or just a general prank prank that you post on tiktok you know what i mean yeah right and and, and they probably know the people that they're tasing yeah well no one's actually getting tased the clown just has a taser oh he's just running around with a taser yeah as far as i've seen there has oh, been no okay. tasing being done there's no assault being done by the taser wielding clown he's just running around with a taser which is what makes me think that this is 100% fake, because no killer clown is going to use a taser, Chris. If anyone was trying to be actually creepy, they would have a, a weapon of some sort. This is just someone who happened to have a taser, I think, and wanted to be maybe, spooky. Maybe if they're going after people with pacemakers, specifically, Paul. That is a great point. Maybe they just have a problem with the elderly or heavy yeah. smokers. While the police conceded, they cannot be certain if the scenes in the video were staged. They stress that they are taking the situation seriously have instructed officers to, quote, keep an eye on the situation. As if a clown prowling around the community were not unnerving enough, authorities also observed that, quote, the sound of an object similar to an electroshock weapon can be heard in the footage, which makes them suspect that the Harlequin could be armed with some kind of taser. So we don't even know that he actually has a taser? Yeah, it's just the sparking sounds. Oh, and that could be added, like, in post. It could. It could very well be added in post, yeah. We know oh, that. Oh, my God. Oh, I know a lot about the editing world, Paul. You add it in post. We do have a podcast. So we're experts on yeah, it. Yeah, we know. Listen, I've put several clips on this podcast throughout the year and a half we've been doing this, Paul. Several. Several. I, at least three or four. At least three. <laughs> I think several is actually the perfect uh, number for you. Uh, with that in mind, they urged residents to be alert when walking around the city and to call police if they see something amiss. Suggesting that the case is not a hoax orchestrated by a mischievous prankster, a concerned mother told a Dutch newspaper that her daughter actually encountered the ne'er-do-well, and the youngster was most certainly not in on the joke. Yeah, dude, don't scare a child with your <laughs> tasing-wielding clown costume. That's not who you go after. No, scare some shithead teenagers, man, but not a yeah, kid. Not a you child. Know, not a child. If they're 17 and acting up, definitely scare them. I was going to say, we don't really get an age on her daughter. They don't really say that it's a young girl. Yeah, that's true. Daughter, so she may, daughter she may could have... be 57, you know, if your yeah. mom's still alive. She may have deserved it for all we know. We we aren't certain. We need more details. Yeah, right. I'm yeah, sorry. Dude, I just don't trust be... teenagers. Okay, I'm that what age if, now. Where I what hate if teenagers. this is a good clown? 
<laughs> you know, what if the clown's out there doing good? It's like it's Batman. It's the Batman clown. The bat. You don't see many good clowns out there. Well, maybe this is the first one. Yeah. Quote. Suddenly, out of nowhere, came that clown with a taser, the unnamed woman recalled. Quote, on the video, you can hear my daughter screaming with her friend. They called the police and they came right away. Those girls are really scared to death. That's spooky. <laughs> I feel bad for laughing now. Yeah, yeah. That, well, we should have finished reading that sentence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, that, that is definitely creepy. So uh, he does have a taser. He, apparently that in my defense though the sentence out of nowhere came the clown with the taser is kind of a funny sentence you're just not expecting those words to be great. together yeah. he was he was running at us with his squeaky shoes <laughs> he kept on spraying us with water but he had the taser in his hand and we're like dude you could really hurt us with that please stop water and a taser that's a bad mix brother between the situation in Amherst Fort and a somewhat similar case in Scotland, where a mischievous individual dressed as Pennywise has been haunting a village, one can only hope that we are not on the cusp of another creepy clown outbreak this spooky season. We're being inundated by creepy clowns. Paul, somebody, please <laughs> save us. Oh, we got video on this? Do you want to see a quick video, Chris, for uh, our audio I podcast? See a very quick, yeah, yeah, let's see a quick video. All right, darkness... Oh, dude, that's not a, that's just a creepy, creepy mask. So it's, that is it's not yeah. a clown mask. That is like the mask from the purge. Yes. It is a white mask with weird hair. Um, there's another video with, uh, I guess a clown that looks like he's dressed up as Santa Claus. I'm a little confused here. That's a little bit more clown-like. Yeah. That so... one's a little bit more clown-like. It's an epidemic. There's multiple of these. There's multiple people dressing up in, in masks and stalking people with tasers. Yes, which is very bad. You should not do that. Yeah, don't do any of those things. Don't, like, unless you are a rodeo clown working <laughs> the circus, or it's Halloween, or you're at a five-year-old's birthday party, don't go out in public dressed as a clown. And now, definitely... I gave you a lot of outs you know if you are out in public dressed in a clown but if you don't get one of those five reasons do not be out in public dressed as a clown i won't really comment on the taser sometimes you need to have a taser on you i get that maybe the clown is tired of getting jumped you know he's going from birthday party to birthday party people there think that he's easy oh, to be taken advantage of this clown's just trying to defend himself this is a working class clown yeah Going through the rough streets of Amsterdam, outside Amsterdam. Listen, I've seen the Joker. I know how hard of a time Joaquin Phoenix had as a clown. You never, you never know what's going to happen out to you. You know, it's it's safety first. Well, Chris, you ready for some housekeeping? Let's go, baby. You can support the show at patreon.com slash coast to coast PM, where you can sign up for as little as $2 a month for two to three bonus episodes every single month. It is the best way to keep us on the air, keep our lights on, keep the electricity pumping into our microphones. If you don't got a couple bones throw away, all good. You can drop us five stars on Spotify and Apple. Uh, and if you send us a picture of your review, we will send you a special gift. It is a coaster I made myself. We have, um, Sent out quite a few, but I still have a couple extra. So uh, keep sending those emails in if you want a free Coast to Coast PM coaster. 
Uh, you can email us at c2cpmpod at gmail.com. We have a Reddit, uh, r coast to coast pm, where you can find Chris. You can find me at the email. And we have a Twitter that I think Chris just yells about things on um, that I don't pay too much attention to. But that's pretty much it. Did I forget anything? I have been off of Twitter. It's just been a cesspool these last couple of weeks. So uh, not not really posting a whole lot there recently. Well, ignore the Twitter. Find us on Reddit. Yeah, that it's a better place. That's the only social media we have. I feel like we should have more. Uh, who cares? Well, and one of our uh, listeners that I sent a coaster to so that we should make uh, T-shirts. So let us know if you're interested in T-shirts, too. C2CP and pop at gmail.com. Yeah, if you guys want T-shirts, that's the best form of social media I know. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, listen, I'm an IRL guy, okay? I don't like all this computer stuff, you know? Yeah. That's why I like podcasting. It's like radio. Well, Chris, you ready to get to the show? Let's go, baby. The January 9th, 2022 interview with Steve A. Asher about high strangeness in Kentucky. Interviewed by Richard Serrett. Let's get to Stevie Asher's intro by Mr. Serrett. Paranormal researcher Steve E. Asher is also a freelance writer and artist, as well as, as well as a lover of music. Previously, he worked over 10 years in law enforcement and as a correctional officer. He's a longtime researcher of the paranormal. He's traveled worldwide, most recently to Thailand, where he and his wife adopted one of their two sons. He's an avid lover of the nighttime. He said this that, that when he feels most truly alive is in the darkness of the night and therefore most productive in his paranormal research and writing. Steve has always had a deep interest in the Kentucky State Penitentiary. Since his early childhood, his late father told him the many dark things that inhabit the oppressive halls of the prison. What's pretty cool is this guy could be like a private paranormal investigator a ppi <laughs> he could he very well could and that is that make that does make him a little bit different than other paranormal investigators i imagine that he can bring that that eye of a police officer police officer of a detective a while also dealing with paranormal aspects and I don't know what it is about a former law enforcement official becoming a paranormal investigator, but for some reason, I just think that's so sweet. I think it's adorable. I love that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's go, dude. Find some ghosts, you know? For me, it gives, it gives them more weight. I don't yeah. know if I should feel that way, but I do. I don't know. It's like, oh, man, this guy, this guy's seen some stuff. Right. He has seen the evil of humanity almost assuredly, and especially if he's worked in prisons, too. You know, and he's also seen bad. He's seen good people that got in bad situations. Right. I mean, I, it would. I'm very, very interested to hear what this guy has to say already. Well, yeah. And that's the cool thing is that, like, he has experience and he's seen some shit right so yeah. i don't know something about that just feels like you'd be better at navigating the paranormal world which as we've discussed is a series of very high and very low moments that have been embedded on the world right so let's kick it off with like hey why do cops love the paranormal because this is actually like a phenomenon Be i mean we know from listening to coast there's a lot of cops who call in dude they're into this stuff and i've talked to other uh, people on coast and elsewhere uh, that are either former or current law enforcement, and they have this 
uh, fascination, obsession with the paranormal or the, or cryptozoology. What's that all about? Because you're also former law enforcement. You know, uh, I was thinking about that. I I'd actually had messaged him just right after your segment, and uh, uh, we kind of run around some of the same paths, but never had crossed those paths. I think it's something to do with the makeup. It's the same sort of people who uh, are drawn to mysteries or be it uh, cold case files, things like that. You want to get to that end. You want to discover that that hidden gem or that hidden truth or whatever. Uh, it's, I don't know, maybe it's something in the water. I'm not for sure. But I think that having the law enforcement background with the training that you have to receive for that and all that definitely helps to it. And it, uh, it allows you to be able to kind of pick apart what would be more or less folklore, which I love folklore too, and what would uh, tend to be more like facts. I actually have a very different answer. Ooh, what's your um, answer? I, I was thinking that it had more to do with the uncertainty of the job, right? You never know what's going to happen on a call when you go out, right? And you know, we can have qualms with how dangerous the job of a police officer is, blah, 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 blah. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think the job is inherently dangerous, right? I think most people would agree with you on that. Yeah. Even doing a traffic stop on a highway, you could get hit by a car. And so I think that amount of uncertainty, you, you start coming up with probably little rituals, right every single day you you know i'm sure especially our catholic police officers probably do have their own saints and stuff like that that they you know wear around their neck or put in their police car you know and different religious tenets probably do kind of cover themselves with these kind of relics these totems of safety and I think once you are able to go into that kind of world, the whole paranormals open up to you. And again, you're dealing with mostly good or fine people in very bad situations, right? But you also deal with just some truly evil people, right? And having to come up with explanations for why some of these just absolutely terrible, awful things happen. Uh, again, going to like there's evil in the world is a very logical and like, again, I can totally see that belief right there allows you to, again, enter into the paranormal world very easily. Yeah, I think that it probably does have, uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting point because I think that would likely have a really strong dividing effect because people who deal with like really traumatic situations or really intense situations like that or situations where you do have to deal with like the worst aspects of humanity, I feel like either go in one direction towards like religion or spirituality or something like as a way of coping and understanding what's happening or they go in the opposite direction, right? right? Where they're like, there is no God. This is all inherently meaningless. Yes. And humans are terrible. So yeah, I think like the half that splits off towards like the spirit realm um, I could definitely yes. see that happening. Uh, that that right. would be interesting for sure. And I and I totally agree with you. You know, like Christianity or Islam or or Judaism or any of those things. Like I'm sure there's plenty of police officers who are devout tenets of those things, right? Yeah. And don't really subscribe to the paranormal stuff. But for the people where the traditional religion doesn't really capture, I mean, 
dude, I mean, look at us, right? I mean, we're not even in these type of dangerous jobs, but we still were, were really interested into it. And I think just, again, any job that has immense amount of insecurity in them, like for whatever reason, the first thing that pops into my head is like fishermen, right? Like they are actually all like very, and I'm going to call it paranormal, but like they have their rituals and they go to the same spots or they, you know, they do things or they look for different signs and stuff like that. That is again, much easier for you to penetrate the paranormal world when that is a daily part of your routine. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, Chris, are you ready to get into this? Because what do, what do we got? Our boy Steve has written a book about every county in Kentucky and spooky stuff that has happened in each one. And he starts off with a little bit of info about frog people. This is the one I wanted to know. <laughs> he starts strong. Yeah, this is the one I wanted to know, dude. I'm so excited he starts off with this. Trimble County, Kentucky. And uh, this is coal country. Tell me about human or semi-human frogmen seen there. Okay, we're jumping right into the strangeness right off jump. Okay, so again, this is where Bedford, Kentucky is. And this is, uh, like I said, you said, it's very much coal county, a lot of caving, a lot of drilling. And back in the 1940s, really, I think before that, but as of more than just random people, you know, saying whatever, uh, people that were doing drilling and things like that started having issues with, like, as you said, semi-human, like, frog-type men, not so much lizard men. Uh, these things seem to want to more or less be left alone. They didn't seem as aggressive as the stories of lizard men. But they had a certain community. Uh, people reported seeing them traveling and hunting in, you know, pairs, you know, pairs of two to, two to four. Uh and implicated some some tools, crude traps, be it in the water to catch fish, dig outs for turtles, things like that, and had a very rudimentary form of communication, be it hisses and clicks and stuff of that nature. There's a whole lore to these frog people. I know, dude. I love it. I've never heard anything about them. I had neither. I love like local lore like this, like very local cryptids uh, are really interesting things. And I love that he clarifies where he's like, these are not lizard people. They look like frogs. Yeah. But I would be ticked off too if somebody was blasting holes into my mountain. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a frustrating experience. And like, yeah, if these frog people do exist and they are in the area they're just and now we're doing mountaintop removal which we weren't even doing in the 40s yeah i mean their environs are probably completely destroyed now dude we need to protect the frog people okay that's an endangered Ooh. species the frog people of kentucky need legal protections there's dude maybe we need to make local state shirts and <laughs> that's it's like a conservation thing but it's Save your cryptids. Yeah, yeah. Save the frog people. If Okay, yeah. actually, here's a legitimate call out to our listeners. If anyone has any ability to do graphic design, I do not. Chris does not. We would actually love to make shirts. I just can't design them. So 
email us c2cpeanpod at gmail.com yeah you'll get a cut yeah we'll yeah we'll we'll cut we'll cut you in don't worry don't worry you'll get you'll get your cut the artist always gets a cut baby uh obviously obviously well chris we got one more clip on frog people and then we can uh discuss a bit more and these stories go back to the 1940s uh, are there more recent sightings you know you're always going to have like somewhat of you know we saw something in the woods or something just down in sort of a swampy area or whatever um but like the heyday of it was really around 1940s up through the 1970s and it seemed like once bigfoot kind of come on the scene this sort of faded back and who knows it could be a situation that the uh the bigfoot came into an area and these guys backed up i don't know or they may have went underground literally i'm not for sure i love that bigfoot pushed the frogmen out of their territories that is such a funny way of looking at this where it's like yeah, yeah in the 40s and 70s which is a big chunk of time by the way yeah dude three decades that's a yeah. solid span that's not just like some like crazy alcoholic miner in kentucky saw what he thought was a frog person like that's a, many years of people seeing frog people but then he's like Oh, Bigfoot can't like we've got a bunch of Bigfoot sightings, so it's very possible that Bigfoot pushed frog people out of their territory. <laughs> That's it, awesome dude. war. I love it. I love it. There was a secret war between Bigfoot and frog people, and the frog people lost. What what do you think is actually happening there? So like that that the frog people had become kind of a part of the popular lore, and so when your mind was acting up, that's kind of what you saw. I, I think that's exactly what happened where when the frogman is in the news or people are talking about frogman, then people are going to see frogman. And then when people stop talking about frogman, they're not going to see him anymore. They're going to see Bigfoot because that's what everyone talks about. So it's like, whatever is the hot topic is if you see something spooky, that's probably what people are going to say. They saw it's it's same thing with like Mothman in middle Tennessee. They have the bell, Witch, which I love That's We have to do an right. episode on the bell, Witch at some point. But um, what I love about local lore like this is that it's also taken like incredibly seriously. Like people in Adams, Tennessee don't screw around with the bell, Witch, dude right. It is a very, real and alive thing that you don't make jokes about when you're there well you know what's also funny that 70s time frame is so perfect because that's really our first step into globalization and bigfoot really is a globalization cryptid yeah. right like bigfoot is now everywhere from like coast to coast hell you go over to india the himalayas anywhere over there you see a Bigfoot-like creature, right? But Florida has, I think, the skunk ape, which, again, is just a Bigfoot-like creature. And so I wonder if that we almost lose something with that, though, right? I mean, frogmen is awesome. <laughs> Frog people, that's so great. And, like, now everyone's seeing Bigfoot, and it was like, oh, man. How awesome would it be to go to this county and like just start talking and you're like, oh, I'm going to go check down by the river. And they're like, be careful of the frog people. <laughs> I'm talking about the frog people for the next hour and a half with this guy. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Just, I think, you know what I mean? We just we've lost something with the globalization kind of rounding out all of these local edges. Right. Yeah. 
this this podcast is going to become reactionary purely for crypto diversification. That's exactly we need I mean, more crypto. All of it, dude. I'm telling you. I, and it was like with us and Tim, right? Where yeah. it was like, man, we kind of need to bring ghosts back. Like a yeah. belief in ghosts. We we just need that because it's actually not healthy for like five percent of the population to believe in ghosts. And that's like, I don't know, man, like coming from like a small town in the South, this, this guy just made me happy talking yeah. about all the weird, you know, lore and ghost stories and stuff coming from like all these small towns in Kentucky. Cause it's just, it's, it's a great thing. And I, I think we have lost a lot of it, but we got to bring it back, dude. Yeah. Bring back your local cryptid, <laughs> support your local cryptid, support your local cryptid, dude. Well, we got another story here um, from a different county that the devil apparently visited, which is pretty cool. Uh, Rock Castle County, that's near uh, Lexington. Tell me about tell me about what's happening in Rock Castle County. Okay, that's actually Chapter Forty Two, and like you said, it is not very far, maybe twenty or so miles from Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, that's more north central. There's an area known as Clear Creek. And uh, at one time, and I'm going to make sure I don't get, get the word wrong, uh, this, this Patana, and there was actually a play written about this, uh, about this town. And what makes it so interesting is there's a legend that states that once a year, the devil, like a physical embodiment of Satan or the devil or what you want to call him, Lucifer, pays a visit to the small town. And now it's, he's not playing a fiddle or anything like that, but he's more or less there to trick people, maybe goad them into their pride sort of to, to whatever reason, trying to whip them into this curious frenzy and lead them back to the land of the dead. I have no idea why that happened. I have no idea. Uh, I've not had any recent information on that, but it was a big enough legend that, again, they actually had written a play about uh, that, that very thing. That's an awesome story. It's a great story. That's a really great story. I love the idea of Satan having to come to this town once a year. And the only reason he's really doing it is to play tricks on people. Yeah, that's so fun, dude. That's fun. That's fun for the town. That's fun for Satan. Like everyone's having a good time. Yeah, like the leading them back to the land of hell. That's not, you know, the 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 most fun. But we don't, we won't focus on that part. No, d- ignore that part. That's yeah. that's just some spicy lore. Trickster devil doing funny things to to town folk in the hills of Kentucky, dude. And the uh, the other thing that got me, and not to keep bringing up Bell Witch, dude, but Adams, Tennessee has a play called Spirit. It's on right now. So if you're in Middle Tennessee, go see Spirit in Adams, Tennessee. It's a really great festival, the Bell Witch Fall Festival. But like writing a play and performing it for your local town about local events is awesome, man. Yeah, it's so good. I'm so so here for it. I would love to go see that play because I bet it's pretty good, dude. Yeah. It's a fun story. Yeah. Man, dude, how much fun would growing up on that in that town be? When that day rolls around, dude, that's better than <laughs> Halloween, I bet. Oh, yeah, it's so much. It's probably around Halloween is it, my guess. It has to be. It has to be. You can't develop a story like that and not have it in fall. Those, yeah, that's a fall story. That's a fall story. Or maybe deep winter, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are the two options. You know, people sleep on ghost stories on Christmas. Oh, yeah, I, you got to do them. 
Yeah, I do. I mean, Christmas Carol, that's like, it used to be a bigger thing. And I think it needs to be brought back as well. Frankenstein is written during like a Christmas party with a bunch of, you know, like sad boy poets. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. Mary Shelley. That's like that's when she wrote Frankenstein? They're, they're all like hanging out around Christmas time. And they're coming up with the scariest stories they can come up with. And Mary Shelley starts developing what becomes Frankenstein in that party. I did not know that. That's really cool. I wish I had sad boy poet friends because I would really want to hang out with them. And everyone's just like sitting around telling stories who could scare the other one. Yeah. More like that's a fun party, dude. They knew how to get down back in the you know late 1800s they really did man they really did well want to stay on uh this uh kind of demon vibe we got going chris because there's another story of a man who got possessed frank millen is an especially sad story uh everything was going very well for uh frank millen very kind man family man uh this unfortunately was during the time when uh tb tuberculosis was rampant and he contracted this illness. And as things went on, obviously your body wears down, fighting, trying to fight this illness. And depression set in uh, to the degree that he began to hear voices and even saw some shadows that, well, they, they urged him to go do things that he would not ever do. And after a long time of fighting this, uh, what do you want to call it, entity or malignant thought uh, he went and picked up a heavy axe from the yard well at the end of the day he had killed five family members including himself uh by uh some of them of course he he had bludgeoned with the axe but himself he hung himself on the poor charge and when the people come up he was still holding one of the heads in their hand Dear Lord. That's an awful story. <laughs> that one is dark, dude. That's a, not a good story at all. Holy cow. Does tuberculosis mess with you mentally like that? I mean, I am an expert on tuberculosis because I did play Red Dead Redemption 2, and I don't recall that ever messing with me that much. I can't remember. I, I just, I, I don't know enough about it. That just seems crazy. That he just flips like that. Just flips so, a switch. Apparently tuberculosis can form lesions in the brain. That's what it was then. So sure. yeah, the, there are neurological issues that can be associated with TB. So yeah, it's it's definitely possible, I guess. Yeah, um, dude. I bet he grew some lesions in some not good places in his brain. Yeah. And here's the thing, though, is that that is a fantastic horror story. Yeah. Any any time you have a family member killing their own family, dude, that's just a that's bad news. Everyone is horrified by that, right? I mean, yeah. murder is bad anyways, but it's particularly bad when a family member is killing somebody within their own family. I mean, yeah. it's just it's the that's the absolute worst, right? It's why you know I think. To this day, the Civil War plays such a, a big part in the American psyche is it, it, it did break apart many times amongst family. 
Yeah, and it's the foundation of some of the best, you know, ghost stories in America, like the Amityville Horror. Right? Uh, that was Which, my first thought when yeah. he when he read that. Yeah, it wasn't an axe, but it was a it was a high powered rifle, and he murdered his entire family. And we do know that the horror itself was all fake, which we covered in our Amityville Horror episode that you can go listen to. Uh, but it is a rock solid foundation for scaring the crap out of people. I'll give him that yeah. much. All right. Yep. That's that's bad news. It was no good. All right, Paul. We need to psychically cleanse ourselves. What do you got? All right, let's cleanse ourselves a little bit, Chris, with a uh, cursed gold mine, which is oh, some fun dude. Kentucky stuff. I was you need a lot of water to cleanse that gold out of yeah. them hills, boy. So <laughs> yeah. that's good. Yeah. Wash that uh serial killer taste out of our mouth. Yeah. Lee County, Kentucky. What's going on in Lee County, Steve? Okay, well, this was an area where the Shawnee were pretty prevalent. And this is an area known as Lower Devil's Creek. Don't you love these little Oh, yeah. It's like, let's move to Lower Devil's Creek. That sounds lovely. But it was a kind of rough, watered area. That's why they called it Devil's Creek, because, you know, Mm -hmm. it was rough. So anyway, um, there was a mine there. Again, a lot of coal mining, a lot of silver, a lot of gold, all this stuff people were pulling out. Everybody knows about, like, silver and gold mines out west, but they were definitely here, too. So anyway... There was an area known as the Swift, the Swift Silver Mine, and supposedly, at one time, Shawnee tribe hid their gold there, hid like a lot of gold there, and they were in the process of trying to discover. They found certain certain implements and, and different finely tooled golden relics, and it was not very long before that that the the gold just was gone, just like it was, like, disappeared. Some people swear that the Shawnee had put a curse on it, a magical curse to hide that, or, or protective. Maybe it's a curse to them, but protective to them. And they never found it. They never came across another scrap of silver or any sort of uh, valuable ore anywhere, anywhere near that area. In fact, it actually ended up, I believe it flooded. And I don't even think you could even get to the mines anymore. So first, I, I think I may have a little explanation for the devil thing. I've found that in the South, you, you put devil in front of something, and that was to tell you, like, this is a dangerous place. Yeah. Like, you can get hurt here, right? Yeah. And, and he kind of gives it away there where it's like well it was like a really rocky part of the stream and you know i'm sure a couple of people had gone down there and probably either seriously hurt themselves or died in in northwest arkansas we would go to a place called devil's den all the time and again and you know like pioneer times i can totally see people being like stay the heck away from there you know what I mean? Especially if you're like pulling a cart or something, you're going to, your, your animal's going to bust a leg. You're going to break your cart. All your stuff's going to get stolen. You know what I mean? Like this is not a good place for you to be. Yeah. Dude, we got the same thing out here in Virginia now, actually uh, devil's backbone, which is both a brewery, but also a really rocky, like a ridge line right. where you could very much hurt yourself if you are not careful. 
Right. And, and these places are typically very good for, you know, bad elements to hang out in. Right. Yeah. Because others don't go there because it's dangerous and it's probably hard to get to. And once you get in there, it becomes very hard to maneuver in there if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Like I said, man, Red Dead Redemption 2. I know all about that life. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's really coming into handy, isn't it? All that video game playing. A lot of learning from RDR, yeah. dude. A lot of learning there. Uh, but Paul, I also had a little theory about what happened to this gold. Yeah. I wonder if it was kind of like an elemental thing, right? Ooh. Like the earth almost being like your greed is too much. Yeah. I and like that, dude. Got Mother Gaia. Yeah, right. Or the regional spirits, at least, being like, you, you've you extracted all this ore from where it was not supposed to be extracted from, right? Like, some of this stuff is supposed to stay in the earth, and we're just pulling it all out. I imagine the earth doesn't love that. Yeah. Well, it's that kind of reminds me of um, the concept that global warming is humanity giving the earth a fever where your body gets a fever to kill the germs right and as we continue to cause issues to earth and it gets hotter that's the earth trying to kill us off well what's that uh saying from i'm sure it's not actually from Westworld, but these these violent delights have violent ends we've been delighting violently for a very long time like the the havoc we're about to wreak and it's not just going to be from the earth it's going to be all of society wreaking havoc upon itself because we are diseased yeah the the one i thought of was uh was matrix where mr smith tells morpheus that humanity is actually a virus yeah that has spread itself across the earth well, this is a pop culture heavy episode chris yeah. we're dropping a lot of pop culture this time I've been trying to categorize your species. <laughs> Great scene, dude. That's such oh, a good scene. It's one of the best oh my God. like person just talking. Or dying, uh, what's, He's what's monologuing. Monologue. One of the best monologues of all time. Got me monologuing. Yeah. Uh, well, next up, Chris, we're going to keep this rolling because we got a lot to get through today. Hellhounds. Uh, Pike County. Uh, and you mentioned hellhounds in Pike County. Are hellhounds the same as dogmen? Wow. You know, it's funny because you were talking about, because you talk about dogmen, then people a lot of times want to learn about dogmen with a werewolf and then a werewolf and a skinwalker, which are just all totally different kind of variants of a canine type of entity, be it they become it, they're naturally partially it, or they go into some sort of dark mystical element to bring on that form. Mm-hmm. Um, but our dogmen... Are our dogmen and hellhounds the same thing? I don't think so. I think the earliest cryptids that they even talked about were hellhounds, like way early on. So I don't know. I mean, I never got, not that I've ever seen one. I don't think I'd want to get close enough to ask it. Yeah, dude. Demon possessed dog has to be one of the oldest cryptids in human history. Just how long dogs have been with us. And then wolves before that, right? 
Well, and that was usually a sign of witchcraft in an area was a giant black dog. Because right. I believe it was said that witches could actually turn into large black dogs. Right. So, yeah, yeah that, that fits, man. I'm here for a good hellhound, man. Yeah, I was going to say, so I, I wouldn't have even considered, if I heard hellhound, I think a dog, right? Yeah, like a, a very big, dog. beefy dog. But again, I think we're probably in the South a little bit more familiar with the hellhound motifs, right? Mm -hmm. Than maybe some of the others, just because we just have so much hell down here. You know what I mean? Like really like talking about hell and a, a big black demon dog is a, as a great hell beast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is also terrifying. And that's the thing is that it does feel very distinct from like dog man or werewolf because it's not a humanoid. Right. Right, right, right. The hellhound exactly. is a dog. It's a that dog. Is giant yeah. and scary. And maybe yeah. has like, you know, red eyes, maybe right. some flames Perfect. coming from its eyes. I'm here for oh, that. Oh, yeah, dude. Big incisors. It's definitely drooling. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Richard Serrett's having a blast, isn't he? Oh, he's having so much fun. He's dude. having so much fun. He's just like, we get to talk about it all tonight. That was the best thing about this interview is that this guy covers so much ground in his book. It's like every county has a different fun thing that he got to cover. Oh, well, and he probably mixed it up too, right? It's like, well, I don't have a frog person. That's going to be <laughs> great for this. Yeah. And there's also really interesting history that's brought up as well because oh, yeah. there's so many counties in Kentucky. Uh, I think there's like 141. And the reason why oh, there's so yeah. many counties is because there was a rule in Kentucky that every county seat had to be within a day's horse ride wow. of everyone within the county so that you could immediately right. get to um, yeah. your county seat if you needed help or needed to, you know, deal with stuff politically. So um, a lot of a lot of counties in Kentucky you talk through. Yeah, dude. And they're they're right there on that Appalachian line. So they're still yeah. you got pioneers getting to Kentucky pretty early. Yeah, but I love those little bits of like, you know, history where it's like, why are we like this? And it's like, well, you know, 200 years ago when we were riding horses, we had to design it this way. Yeah, it's just wild, dude. It's yeah. it's crazy to think about. It's crazy. And it's actually kind of wild to think about the states that didn't do that. South Carolina did, didn't do that. We have 46 counties. Yeah. <laughs> and it would take and that was, you know, and they've added counties since since the horseback time so it would take you even longer sometimes than probably you know two or three days to get to a county center if you didn't have a horse i i apologize 120 counties in kentucky still that's, an enormous yeah, number it's, an, it's a huge <laughs> number that's so yeah. many counties but to that point yeah if you don't have a horse it's even worse yeah it sucks yeah bad time bad time well next up chris let's get to some callers we have a caller who asks, you know, hey, man, is there Bigfoot in Kentucky? The question, Steve, I have for you is um, um, I volunteered in the eastern area of Kentucky on the West West Virginia border. And I was back in the Appalachian Mountains. And is there any Bigfoot in that area? Because sometimes late at night, because I stayed there by myself, late at night I would hear screams. You know, I well, I shouldn't say screams, but I heard something um through the mountains and i was just wondering do you know of any bigfoot in that area well you know i mean you speak to anybody in that area you're going to have four different you know explanations for something that you've heard um i mean you've been around you know wooded areas enough to know the difference between say a bobcat and different sort of animals um i would say there is you know uh 
as I'd mentioned, the the old story about Daniel Boone talking about coming up through certain areas like Devil's Backbone and little uh, outcropped regions of you know, of the hills, especially, like you said, uh, on the West Virginia border. Uh, West Virginia is covered up in them. So, I mean, it would only make sense that these things would uh, traverse certain areas back and forth. You got the devil's backbone mentioned in there, Paul. How about that? Hell yeah, dude. I also love that West Virginia is covered in Bigfoot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is Are there uh, many Appalachian Bigfoot? I know we. I saw them up in Maine, um, that there's a lot of Bigfoot, Bigfoot sightings up there. Um, do they come this far down? Dude, I, I haven't seen that much Bigfoot stuff on this side of the border because I'm up around the Blue Ridge. Right. But um, I guess so. I don't. I need to be more on the lookout. I don't cross into West Virginia that often, honestly. But yeah, maybe next time. I mean, maybe maybe Bigfoot respects the West Virginia border. They're like, we're not going into Virginia, dude. West Virginia is our spot. I, and to give this guy just a, a a little little bit of credence that he um hearing different animals cry or call out or howl in the middle of the night in these mountainous areas deep in the valleys and the way that sound gets picked up and especially in the winter and fall when the leaves start to die it's pretty wild it's pretty crazy and you know things can almost like amplify sometimes and so it and that i and i think that's what he was the uh steve was trying to say that listen you hear a, something out in the middle of the night you're going to get four different answers well and that's the thing too is that that's why they call it a hauler right right it's exactly. because like in that dip in the mountains sound carries so much you can literally just holler to each other from very yeah. far away um so like yeah like sound is going to travel long distances when you're in the hauler and west virginia is one giant hauler dude yeah. it's a very mountainous beautiful country very mountainous region that's what yodeling is. Yodeling mm. is literally to like talk from mountain to mountain. Yep. Yep. Dude, I love the South. God, we, we got our problems down here, but it's just such a delightful place when it comes to like the, the lore that we got down here, man. Well, it, there were, there were, it's because we were a land of opposites, right? There were so many people that had nothing, right? And then there were a handful of people that had so much. And in that world, that is literally the world where, where lore and magic and legend like grab hold and take place because the elites are unsettled in the amount that they have and the masses of people who have nothing. And so they have to grasp on to superstition and magic and then the poor people have nothing and so it's really easy for them to get into magic and lore and all that stuff because they need answers to understand the suffering that they're going through yeah there's such an interesting mix too of traditions from all around the right. world that are all brought over. into play yes. like there were a lot of um scotch irish settlers in middle exactly. tennessee yes. and there's a lot of scotch irish like influenced local lore that had right. developed in like the 1800s which um you can kind of recognize when you start researching some of the the local cryptids in the area so i don't know it's, there's there's interesting stuff happening west africa baby yeah very i mean much so. west africa 
all throughout the South, South because of slavery, yeah. right? But they bring that influence with them and you can still see a lot of it in the South and especially in the religion and the religious traditions and the lore, the Southern lore, right? Like frog people, that's got to come from West Africa, dude. Yeah. That doesn't come from Europe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of cool mixing that can happen in America, man. I was just talking to someone last night about um she she's comes from Mexican heritage and we talked about Mexican Mexican witchcraft for a really long time. Yes. Um and that oh my gosh is man. awesome. Catholicism mixed with Mayan Aztec influence? Are you kidding me? Oh, dude, like I a hundred percent believe everything that she was telling me. I was like, oh, these yeah. rituals have to work. I believe yeah. you. Yeah, they <laughs> definitely work. Well, Chris, we got another caller who has a story that he wanted to share um, from his dad, who was a uh, mortician in Kentucky. Richard, I'm going to get your name right this time. I'm not going to call you somebody else. But anyway, Richard, uh, Steve God, it's great. My dad was from Lexington, Kentucky, but New Zion is where he grew up. So I don't know if you ever, that was the first black outpost after the Civil War, where the slaves that were free came to New Zion, uh, Kentucky, which is next to Lexington. And I was a prison guard at Oakdale One, the federal prison down here, so I know what it's like to be a prison guard. Um, my question for you, or something to tell you, uh, my dad was learning to be an embalmer and stuff. He was a teenager then, and his name was Cornelius Lawson White Sr. I'm the junior. And so they had the Cunningham... Cousin Cunningham was our family funeral home business that was in Kentucky. It's gone now. Everybody's passed from there, and he's gone too. But anyway, so he told me this story. Them Cunninghams wouldn't tell him ahead of time, but he was doing a body and stuff in the back. Well, one of the bodies rose up and burped, and he got out of there. He was scared half to death. So um, I don't know if you have any you know black stories about ghosts or anything like that but that's my little rendition there richard and steve that's our beans bibles and bullets man isn't it i don't know if that was him he didn't introduce himself like that that guy always introduced himself i think he's got more of a new orleans accent i don't i think that was him i thought his name was cornelius you know, I should know this, man. I, I really should know this. I thought I'm, it was a different guy when he said no, that. No, when yeah. he said Cornelius, I was like, yeah. dude, that's our Bible's bullets and beans, man. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it could have been. I got to double check that. I'll double check that. All right, that. double check that, but I think I'm right. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. He's definitely it's someone who calls in a lot, I'll tell you that much. But uh, yeah. I loved that story, dude. It's a funny story, but I think I, I think I got the explanation on this one. All right, give it to us. So... We had a cousin who dated for a very long time, a mortician. <laughs> and so I was fascinated by this as a child. I had never met any funeral director or mortician or anybody who dealt with dead bodies on a regular basis. And so I would just sit there and ask her questions. But you are pumping stuff in and pumping stuff out the whole entire time. Like that's the vast majority of the job of a mortician is getting the fluids out and stuff. Yeah. And so 
yeah, there's probably there was probably some gas, some air trapped in a pocket in the intestines or in the stomach or something like that. Dude, I'm sure they get farts, burps, you know, air coming out of the nose, whatever, all the time because the body's decomposing and you're like, they're poking it and prodding it. There's a lot of weird gases. That was my first thought too. There's a lot of weird gases that come out. It's like that Game of Thrones line from King Baratheon where he's talking about the battlefield and he's like, they always shit themselves. They don't put yeah. that part in the songs. Yeah. There's yeah. A, yeah. And he was like bad drunk. Yeah. But yeah. also no. if you're alone at night in a mortuary and a dead body starts making sounds, I'm getting out of there, dude. I'm getting out of there anyways. Gonna... Like, But again, not putting myself in that situation. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Get out of there fast. Not the job I'm <laughs> looking to do. I would hate it. Well, Chris, I promised you angels. Oh. So yes, for our did. last clip, we have a guardian angel story that is very sweet. The the, so. the positive part of Halloween. Yes, we are going to end this on a, a high notes where we've been in some dark areas today. I'm going to pick one. I'm not going to pick one that's just awful. Just because I think I've brought a lot of dark ones. I'm going to bring you one, and it kind of touches on the thing about angels. <clears throat> we had mentioned, unfortunately, we had had a horrifically bad tornado that ripped through Kentucky and in the area of of uh, Mayfield, which was really horrifically uh, squashed. There had been reports of angels, you know, be it in the sky or things like that. There were people that were they're in a house or whatever, didn't know that anything was coming. Maybe they didn't have the radio on or the television or their phone nearby for an alert. And something said, get down, get under this, get whatever. For whatever reason, the urge was so strong, they listened to it. And the house blew away, but everything but that room they were in. Love guardian angel stories. Yeah. They're the best. They're the absolute best. And part of me wonders if it isn't, a sixth sense you're you're touching all i don't know the 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 just a little bit of the future or something like that or maybe you're just able to logically game plan it right and it's like you know you just hear in your head this where we are right now is going to be destroyed we need to go to the most secure room in the house right yeah, like but a like, oh a lizard brain aspect of ourselves that knows that something bad is coming. Right. Oh, dude, best way to put it. The lizard yeah. brain aspect just can sense it, right? Can just sense the danger at a almost particle level. And that, because we can't just completely in tune to that, right? We we're we're logic beings, you know, stuck in what we perceive to be these logic bubbles. And, we have to come up with a way of why are we doing this thing, right? And it's like, oh, a voice told me to do it, you know, or whatever. It's just like whatever makes it work. Yeah. Whatever reason you need, your head comes up with. And for these people, it was guardian angel is telling us to get into this. And your body's just like, dude, just get in the freaking shelter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I really, I liked that story, man, because, um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, but my apartment complex back in Nashville got destroyed by a tornado. And my guardian angel was my cell phone that started blaring like five seconds before the tornado showed up to get down. 
But uh, I don't know. Something about that was just like really sweet and heartwarming to me because like that's a really scary situation to be in to have a tornado on top of you. And the thought that something anywhere, even if it's just the back of your brain that can yeah. warn you of something like that um, is a is a comforting thought. I totally agree, dude. Totally agree. Well, that was our last clip for today. Um, that was our interview with our boy Steve Asher with Richard Serrett from January 9th, 2022. Chris, on a scale of one to five frogmen, what do you give my boy Steve? Five frogmen, easy. How could you not? <laughs> They're great stories. I mean, he's gone and collected all this local lore, dude. That's God, that's God's work. Like that, he is furthering the the beauty and magnificence of the human species with this work and again just like the ways in which we have dealt with different situations in the environment and the environment not just being like the natural realm which again we're trying to explain but also society and how society in these very localized communities have the stories that they've come up with to deal with surviving on this planet dude it's beautiful it's stunning it's amazing and i'm so glad that we got to listen to steve asher say share kentucky's version of these localized stories dude i feel enriched <laughs> And you can check out Steve's book, More Curious Counties from Kentucky. I'm sure that's on Amazon and stuff. I also give this guy five frogmen. I thought it was so delightful to listen to him share these local stories. I think the world would be a better place, man, if we had more stuff like this, where people yeah. can connect with their local communities more. And I think that ghost stories and cryptids are a weird but good way of doing that, man. I'm here for it. Definitely here for it. Uh, uh, to, uh, listen. Show me a better way. Show <laughs> me a better way of, of, of bringing community together, dude. And we'll, we'll do that. You know what I mean? But I think cryptids and paranormal is just as good as, as any of the others. Especially in like the South and small towns. I don't know what they're doing up in that New York City, Chris. Yeah. Uh, maybe they England. just go to raves to connect. But down here, I think this is a good way. They're, they're too logical. <laughs> they're too logical. They like have had the like Salem witch trial explosion and then everyone's like we should never do that again and <laughs> well and, and they go to ahead. be fair they shouldn't do that again <laughs> well they just didn't need to do it on such a large scale they just went bananas with it you yeah. know but like occasionally you gotta kill a witch no this is an oh. anti-witch burning podcast oh oh oh, oh. Don't as long as the witch isn't an actual person, it's like an esoteric spirit. That's fine. So, Let's well, not target random women living in the woods. I don't want that on our heads. Sometimes the community has to kill the witch. No, 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 that's not what we do. It's not what we're saying at all. That's not the point of this. But you can only do it like once every generation. Nope. You can't do it. Nope. We're gonna wrap this up, Chris. This has been Ghost to Ghost PM. You never want an official Ghost Ghost AM podcast. Thank you for listening. We drop every Thursday on our public feed. You can support us patreon.com slash coast to coast PM. And that's going to wrap up Spooktober, man. I think that was a good way to do it. Be wary of the seventh son of a seventh son. All spooky, all the time. Later.